Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Right. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Kings and the Quest, Gorgarin. That might be the fastest I've done it while also being very like, I don't know. You understood what I said. But in the last game, the last episodes, our party have returned to Enton, hoping that they were not too late with their icy blood that they got from the uh, white dragonine Dindereth. They dropped it off. Potion was made. Turns out the place is under siege by the Iron Maelstrom and our friend, the uh, Call of Sky, which apparently Call of Sky is a new name. Nobody knew it. It's all good. We're not going to talk about it. Point is, uh, Succubi, Spooky Queen Garavar um, is here in effect. Our party thought they were going to have a nice, wonderfully relaxing time in the tavern under siege. Uh, turns out our friend Starbreeze got um, mind-controlled by the succubi, I mean succubus, uh, burned down the entire tavern. Our friend Kick the Click nearly died trying to protect his little clan, his friends there, Darzak included. And uh, next thing we knew, party's jumping into the fray, jumping into the fire, trying to help out, prevent the city from catching on fire. Kalis guy made a big point to be like, ha ha ha, I can fly, you bitches can't. And yeah, I guess, I don't know. She's got some weird hexy magic that almost killed Norhill just by looking at him and snapping a beard hair or something like that. Hard to say, really. But with that, knowing that time was short, uh, the one single vial of the fire immunity was granted to the party. Strange machinations at work on Jarzak's wave wraith uh, have been completed. Knock on wood, we hope. Um, I mean, an alpha version is just as good as anything else, right? We can run on alpha. This is the alpha waiver. We're, we're good. We'll wait for the updates to come in. But uh, boat takes flight. Boat nearly flips over. We get a new lease on life above. And as the uh, siege of the city seems to be encroaching on total onslaught on the people, we can tell that the forces of Era and the forces of Azkabellum seem to be coming in on the ocean waters, directed by the water goddess herself. Uh, seeming to come into the aid of the city as our friends in our flying vessel are flying the hell out of here. So I guess the game starts with our party flying over the city and looking down below, seeing alongside of our uh, gnomish crew and our friends inside the, uh, the vessel here, um, the iron maelstrom seem to be tearing over the walls, tearing through the gates and seem to be rushing into the city right now. Uh, doesn't look good. 
but the place being so sort of uh, used to this kind of behavior, it seems like everybody's pretty quick to go into the right kind of hiding places and fortifications to hold off. It looks like, judging by the speed that the vessels are traveling on the water, that they might be able to get here in time before we suffer too many casualties. So as the boat's flying overhead and Captain Jarzak is at the helm preparing himself alongside the first mate, and everybody else on deck is starting to reorient themselves as we've left our 90-degree upward angle. Uh, what would people like to do on the ship? Is Klika still in the crow's nest? Yeah. I think the last time when we rolled it, you just held on very well. Which, that's got to be a mind-meltingly terrifying experience. I think at this point, you guys are about 100 feet over the uh, city right now at the highest. So there's that for you. I feel like Aaron and Tom will be looking back toward the city and the fleet, just very sad that he couldn't do more. <laughs> sad Anton looking down at it. Yeah, basically. He feels okay. weird. And Norhill's going to sit down and try not to fall over. See, you've heard of seasickness. <laughs> Wait until you get air sickness. Yeah, you see, it's it, it's it's strange. He he doesn't feel sick. He just feels like completely off balance. Very well. I mean, at this point, too, plenty of the uh, Iron Maelstrom grunts on the ground start shooting like crossbows and hurling javelins up in the air in this general direction at you guys in the vessel, and every once in a while. The occasional bolt will like stick into the uh, into the hole on the uh, boat here, but nothing seems to do any actual damage. Things just kind of stick and plink to it, you know. Um, and as you look down on the ground at like the various bodies moving around here in the Iron Maelstrom, again, it's just like a tide of rusted metal, just kind of like surging and rushing over itself and all over the place. But every once in a while, you see larger figures kind of like sticking out like large stones in a rushing river where like troll-sized and like ogre-sized beasts that are made of metal as well come lurching through. And every once in a while, they like take a heavy swing at a building and level part of a wall in, or just start like chucking people they can find or even chucking other members of the Iron Maelstrom around. But it's, it's just quite purely devastation. This is a matter of overwhelming numbers, not a matter of like an orchestrated assault, you know? So what about Klika and Jarzak? Klika will just uh... I don't know what Klika's gonna do. She can't really do much. Jarzak will look down what Klika thinks and uh, is just gonna be like uh, look around, make sure no one else is really near him. Yikes, at least uh, we're not down there. Full steam First, ahead. <laughs> lucky dog looks to you and just kind of shrugs a little bit and he says, I'm chaotic neutral. Yeah, so. me too, bud. Me too. <laughs> like, don't you forget it. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but okay, so with that in mind, what's Klika do? Apart from looks panicked. I think Klinka's just gonna look off. I guess just taking the entire scene of 
the continent and or i guess just the battle i don't know how high we continue to rise but as we get higher it just takes in more and more and realizes more and more what we're fighting for and how important all this is okay especially from the clica's nest so yeah and as the ship continues upward to about 200 or so feet and then up to like 300 you can only hear the distant clamor of battle as you fly up into the uh up into the sky sort of like a, a roaming storm in the distance. But as you are this high up in sort of a clearing, since the region is pretty flat, I mean, you can see the remnants of um, dust wind. You can see the mountains both to the north and, yeah, yeah, to the north and to the south. You can see the uh, dwarvish pass there between the two halls. And you can see that you guys are going to be heading much the same way you did before when you were heading towards the Elven Wood as we are apparently making our way towards uh, Gorgareth. Now, as the vessel takes about five, 10 minutes away from the, the fighting down there, and you guys have a pretty gentle stride to the vessel, um, it seems like the ship mates and everybody seem to like get back to work doing the typical bits and bobbles and addressing, you know, tightening of the ropes and whatnot. But after about 10 or so minutes, it seems like, everybody has sort of a collective sigh as if like holy shit we made it but it seems like the gnomes are sighing a little bit deeper like holy shit this actually can fly so it seems like the suicide <laughs> mission is a little bit of a surprise to everybody so they all start high-fiving and cheering and the occasional bottle of gnomish spirit comes out of the bottom of the uh, of the vessel and they start drinking on the deck but yeah so with that, um, in the distance, however, if I could get a uh, perception check from everybody. Uh, well, Norhill crit. Damn. Minton got an eight. He's like crying. He's like just trying. He's <laughs> like, is this so Like own? crying. <laughs> no, he can't really concentrate right now. Got so I'm sorry. So who got okay? So what did we get again? Norhill got a crit. Anton got an eight. Was Jarzak with a ten? Yep. And what about Klika? Six. Well, with that okay. So it seems that Norhill is the one who can see the most clear here, and Jarzak being the captain and looking around as he does. He can see in the distance that metal spire reaching up. Um, he can recognize what it is, but it definitely seems like uh, Norhill gets a very good ping on what's going on over there. And he can see that same shimmering light that you guys had seen initially up on top of the mountain, if you remember that. So from here, Norhill can kind of point it out. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit terrifying, to say the least. They Again, it's sort of like rand? a. What you say? They, they mess with the key rand? Do they make it evil or something? Or did it just go bye bye? No, I, I, I assume you mean the giant living tower being built up out of the iron maelstrom. Yeah, it definitely has at this point. I don't want to say become girthier because that's a scary word to say, 
on a podcast, but the, the spire has definitely taken on a bit more shape. Whereas before it was just sort of like a needle that shot up. Now it's starting to like, almost like build itself outward as if calcified bodies connected to it seem to be adding more like resonance to the, to the feature as is. And as you look off in the distance at the shimmering sort of, it, it looks almost like how like the opalescence of oil on water. And you can see like the shimmering color of reflections around it as if like, sort of a half sphere connecting onto the ground, kind of like a, like a big bowl. And it seems to be perfectly like landed on the top and just spread over it. And you can see there's almost like a throbbing of sorts that comes along with it as if all of the reflective kind of like weird opalescent swirls of color seem to be like moving in a dance sort of in a, in a way that's referencing like if you took a tuning fork and banged it, you can hear sort of like the vibration as if, you know what I mean? sort of uh, two notes that aren't perfectly matching up. So I guess with that in mind, it would be hard to say so, but Norhill, can you give me an intelligence check? I'll give you advantage because you got um, a crit on that last one. Anybody else who would be paying very close attention to the light can also do that. Not at, at advantage, but can do an intelligence check. If you have Arcana, you can use that as well. Well, Norhill got a 16. 13. Four. Seven. So what did Norhill get? 16. Okay, so here's where this is going to get very interesting to explain it. Who? What was the next highest number? Like seven? What did you turn get? 13. A 13? Yeah. So I would say that you also can tell that there's like a weird like vibration to it that seems to be going at like a rhythm but beyond that it's hard to really tell what that means norhill however being used to like metal banging on metal and having sort of that like weird wobble 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 thing going on between two pieces of metal norhill can tell there's again like a resonance dissonance as if like two things are not in equilibrium two things are not equal it's as if this is sort of pulsing alongside something else or sending out some sort of vibration and the vibration is not equal to the vibration of the other thing hence the dissonance and the fact that you can see it you start to almost imagine like a sound in your head when you stare at it and it's at this point that you know i guess you can put it into your own words but anybody looking uh, yeah, I don't know. Would you explain this to everybody? Well, Nolan will definitely point out uh, the tower because before we were looking at it through like a telescope, right? The, yeah, the, I mean, the fact again, that we can see it now with the naked eye from many miles away is concerning in the extreme. Um, but as he listens, he won't try to explain the sound. But as he listens more closely, he's going to try to, like, hum it weirdly. I mean, and as you try to do that, I guess you don't notice really anything in particular other than, I don't know, it starts to make your head feel kind of funny as if, like, your body attempting to resonate with the frequency there is enough that kind of like how, oh, you guys know the science of how you can, like, sing at a glass to break it and you just sing the resonance frequency back at it to the point it vibrates and it'll continue to vibrate because you're doing the resonance frequency with which it mm -hmm. resonates so it's basically when you start humming along with it 
you feel like you all of a sudden just plugged into a power source that your brain can't handle. So as you really focus and try to get on the level with it, you feel your brain start to like get kind of squishy. You feel like a headache coming on as if like, you know what I mean? So it's kind of fucky, you know? So. Well, the strong steel is building up to something. So who do you actually tell that to? I, I imagine still down below looking up through the floor. Also, Anton is probably the only one to hear it. Oh, I put Anton on top because I thought that's where you get the best view, like from behind. Could be from like the top okay, deck, so, but it could be wrong. Okay, uh, so uh, nobody's around to hear nor he'll make his observation. So he's going to start go. He's going to uh, go drinking with the gnomes after that. Cool. I mean, I figured maybe Norhill would want to share this after seeing how, I don't know, unbelievable it is to see the spire from this distance and at this height and all that. I imagine Norhill might be like, holy shit, did you guys see that? But yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, so I guess, and so Norhill goes up above, you know, sort of, you know, taking little baby steps so he doesn't fall down um, with the intention of going to drink with the gnomes and checking to see if the rest of the party has also noticed this. Okay, so with gnomish spirit in hand, you take one glug. I picture gnomes drinking a lot of gin, and not just gin, but like very, very like bouquet gin, where it's just so floral and so piney and like so many weird things that like only gnomes would enjoy. You know what I mean? But yeah, so as you take a quick glug of gnomish gin and look over the deck with the pointer finger, at the spire and sort of mention the resonance. Um, if anybody has a religion skill, you can roll for that real quick. Yeah, and and he will say that again. It's singing the song of steel. I guess Arcana check would also fit here too. Goddamn! Is it one? Twenty-one. Hey, oh. I've got a six, a seven, and an eight so far. Clicka's on the move. You know, you're gonna run out of them someday. But as you mentioned that, Anton, you, from what you've learned, having studied under the high priest and having studied as a uh, priest over there in Glory Wake, you've had to do quite a lot of reading of different planes of existence and all that. So what you recognize when you hear that there's a resonance and something that big and that strange filled with that much like energy, it starts to kind of dawn on you that maybe just maybe this device that they're building is somehow connected to a different dimension, likely the plane of immortals. And it starts to make you think like, you know what I mean? Like what, like what would they possibly be doing with it? And with the 21, your knowledge of the land of immortals and what you know of this place, the history behind the land of immortals, there is in fact one crystal spire that exists in the land of immortals that almost acts as sort of like a beam, I guess you could say. You don't really know many of the, like the true details of this thing, but you just know that there's like one massive crystalline structure there that acts as sort of like a beacon to the plane that you guys are on. And so all of a sudden it dawns on you 
as you look at the spire, notice the resonance as if these two things are slowly but surely. I wish I could explain other than like the tuning of a guitar, but like once you like get the, the strings and you're trying to tune them and they start getting closer and closer to being like perfectly pitched to each other, it's like all of a sudden they hit that like resonance frequency where they like just perfectly match and it becomes harmonious. Knowing that the land of immortals is sort of a reflection of this land itself, it might be the case that you're looking at a reflection being made. And as it gets closer to being the true like reflection, these resonances are starting to equal out. And that is a terrifying concept when you think whatever somebody might be trying to do with it. And that just stares and he gets a thought. He's like thinking, yeah. And if he turns around, where is Kliga still on the mask? Is yeah, still up on the. Yeah. Would Anton be able to yell up to her, or is that like not a realistic thing? Would he have to like climb up there? Oh, you could yell. That's only like 20 feet above. Guess I'll say, Kliga, you visited what? the land of immortals once, right? Yes. Click has been about. Have you seen anything that looks like that? Uh, but oh, not made out of that. Mm, like a crystal or something. Clica doesn't really remember has, that. No, no, no. Clica does all of a sudden have a moment where she thinks about her little moon transportation she had the other day. Actually, literally like two days ago, was it? Yep. And all of a sudden it dawns on you that that pillar of light you seem to climb onto was not only just from your star, but it was as if looking at like sort of like a single point of light. You are on one side, that tower is on the other. And it's like the, the fractal light from that spire makes the starlight that floats about the planet that you're on. And you just grabbed onto your particular star and used that, that strange pillar of crystal there as sort of like the homing point, like the beacon. And as you remember traveling through that star point, all of a sudden, that gate seems to make more sense to you. And you think about that crystal pillar that's kind of like been there in the back of your mind through that travel, as if like you saw it once in like in a dream. And it dawns on you as you look back at the pillar made of all the crystalline bodies. We might be making a new entrance. And not just any entrance, but one with a lot of doors. And it's at this point that we look at the shimmering, opulescent globe over there. Maybe this tower is actually a door. And a really fucking big one at that. So as Anton standing down below, blocking the sunlight from his eyes, looking up at Kleek and asks, have you ever seen something like this? And Kleek is like, no, nah, I don't think. And all of a sudden, his face dissolves into a moment of like, hey, wait a minute, maybe. How? So I don't know. I don't know, Klika. How do you reply to that? Have you seen something like this before? Well, um, yeah. Actually, when Klika sort of took us all from the mountaintop down to Enton, she's kind of used something like that but it was different to help guide her. So maybe the Herald of Steel is just going to use something like this to just 
make a lot of doors like Klika did to the Immortals. Why? He seemed to be one who hated the Immortals. Why connect with them? Why? Well, maybe then he can bring his army there. Was going he has to say. Mm. Yeah, he 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 wishes the immortals destroyed. Uh, he can't he cannot march them back through the original gate that he took. That gate is broken and too small for the Iron Maelstrom. Well, the uh oh is starting to sink in a little bit because no, what Anton what Anton also recognizes about the plane of immortals is philosophically speaking this is hard to truly gauge which is true but from what you know of the mythos of like the immortals the question of which is the reflection of which often comes up and it seems likely the case that the true reality belongs to the immortals and we are but the reflection given sentience and the opportunity to thrive so if something were to happen to the plane of immortals, all the reality on our plane and every reflection therein might be tampered with, if not disconnected or destroyed. As if we are but a connection to the main computer and maybe the Herald of Steel is looking to unplug it. Now, what does that mean for him? What does that mean for anybody? It's hard to say. You're just going off of like philosophical ramblings of long dead scholars hypothesizing on what the relationship truly is. But even if an ounce of that is true and we're marching an entire army to the place of people we hate, uh, time may be more of the essence than we thought originally. This concept of freedom like makes no sense to Anton. But I don't know, I think he just, he just confuses. This is just like way beyond him. He almost thinks like maybe I should try to connect back with the the high priest, give him a status update. What's going on? So I'll actually do that. Actually, I have to see if I have message prepared. So we're flying like over the continent proper, right? Yeah, at this point, you guys are high up. You're like in the clouds and seeing it poking through between bits of clearing. Because at this point, you'd have to be able to see over parts of the mountain range. So every once in a while, when you get a good look, that's why like when you guys got an opportunity to look in that direction, Norhill saw it from the perfect angle and was like, what the fuck is that? And then everybody looked and it's like, uh oh. So technically where you guys are, you're not like hauling ass, but you guys are going pretty fast for what it's worth. So I guess the question I have to ask now is, how much of a straight shot are you guys looking to have on your way to Gorgareth? Because looking at the true map that I have in front of me, um, going from Quarrydale to Gorgareth is a long and arduous path when you're going on, on, you know, by foot. Technically, you have to go like south to uh, Dustwind, and then you have to cut west to Thalvir. But since you guys can fly, you could theoretically just cruise directly over to the Keratos Mountains and just go straight across west. And it would get you there and you'd save about 40%, 50% of the trip time just because you don't have to take a big giant turn. So the question is, would you like to just cruise over the mountain and get closer to the pillar? 
or would you like to take to cruising over a mountain range? Well, I mean, if you go high enough up, it's just going to be pretty rough altitude, but obviously you guys aren't going to go the highest point over it. You know what I mean? Just because it's a mountainous region. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, straight really? shots, good. I think as, as, the, as the crow flies makes the most sense. If we're going to have to fly, then we might as well make the most of it. And so with that, the first mate steps forward too to speak with Jarzak as he kind of turns to the captain and says, Captain, if we are traveling as the crow flies, we will definitely save a lot of time. But what is our destination? And as he says so, he kind of looks at everybody else who all of a sudden looks back at each other. And it's like, well, we knew Gore Gareth. But that is a good question. Yeah. We're definitely headed to Gore Gareth. Well, There's a... that means we're going to need to find someone to speak to who can tell us the dragon's location. I, yep. It. If it's still in the same nest, I know the location. Yeah, it's not often that you have a party member who's already been there before. So we're good to go right to the dragon. All right, then how about a safe place to land? It's Gorgareth. Nowhere is going to be safe. Well, that safe. Well, and Star Trek, what do you think our odds are of securing a safe passage from the orcs themselves? <laughs> None. No shot. The orcs, did you not see what they've done? The, the orcs are enemies of old, yes. And any other time I would agree with you, but one way or another, the Herald of Steel is going to come for them, too. If they if they know that we're united this one time against this one enemy, uh, perhaps they'll be willing to make this one concession. Well, makes you think about Anton, because you're hearing this like it's like a political discussion and sort of making peace, but it's hard to make peace when Anton's entire homeland town is likely held prisoner within yeah. the grasp. And you're over there. Enemies of the finger. past is like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a, a month ago, we, we didn't have the Iron Maelstrom uh, landsliding entire major cities. So, actually, that was about a month ago. <laughs> Jarzak, do you really not want to? Try and make things right with your brother? Are you just going to live the rest of your life someplace else from all the orcs? Yeah, but Klika, do you live with goblins right now? I would if I could, Jarzak. Klika, are we not enough for you? But we have each other. But for how long? That's enough for me. Are you going to follow Anton and Norhill forever? Are you going to stay with Klika forever? You don't want to see your home or your family? We're going to do a flyby. I'll see it. I'll I'll even wave to them. 
You promise you'll wave? Yeah, they won't be able to see because we'll be so far away, but I'll wave. No, we got you close enough for you to see. (laughs) That's funny. I'll be freeing my people. One way or another. We will fly close enough to see if your people are still there. They're there. Yep, we will fly close enough to see, and if they are, then yes. Of course. Should we not stop and check to make sure that they're being cared for adequately? Slaves Uh, are not being cared for. If they're alive, then they're being cared for better than, uh, you know, the alternative, which is being dead. Maybe if we make the stop, we can lay the groundwork towards the release of prisoners. I think if you want to try to do that, it might be better if I'm not there. I also hope that Anton's getting some like sense of, of, I don't know, hypocrisy here where it's like if Norhill were dealing with, you know, the Durgar having kept his people prisoner, you know what I mean? Like there wouldn't be this talk of like negotiation. But then again, I don't know. Did Norhill try to negotiate? He tried to speak with the head of the dwarves that was instated. But I don't remember him being willing to negotiate with the Duergar. And that was the whole reason why we pushed to get the dwarves out is because that dwarf that was there, he was like, no, they have a good life. They are cared for. Look at they have jobs and food and a place to live. And wasn't Norhill like, that's not a home. This is not freedom. The, the, the difference is a few hundred Duergar, a few thousand orcs. Well, Anton, drop your uh, one-liner. I mean, the orcs might be willing to negotiate with, you know, the leader of the dwarfs and make some arrangement to ally. They're not your people. They're mine. They have to arrange it with me or they don't arrange at all. Either way, I'm getting them out of there. Jarzak, you do what needs to be done. If this isn't the place for you. I won't force you to go in uncomfortable situations. I I can't say much since I have no true connection with my family, but the family I feel I do have is there and they're not safe. I need to I, mean, I need to do what I can. Everything I can. Yeah. They took me in too, Anton. Uh when I had nowhere else to turn. So if they I took get, you in. I guess we're gonna go, fight with go free the people of Glory Wake. That should be easy. Don't worry. Clinko will put a good word in with your brother. Oh, <laughs> yep. He's gonna be probably busy trying or successfully killing me. I may have, you know, you know, when you do something real bad to someone and then you just leave before they can like work it out with you. Yeah, that was kind of what happened. Jarzak, what are we walking into? Flying into? Well, you know, this dragon we're going to. 
Yes. Well, you know, kids will be kids. Me and my brother definitely went, you know, a little too close to the dragon. He he might have needed my help to get out of the cave. And uh, yeah, I just left him there. And went back to claim the orcs as uh, me being the ruler. But that was because the deceiver told you to do that, right? You were working with him at that point? Click, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I would love to say yes. <laughs> I really would. It was just after that. The deceiver really... Uh, liked what I did there. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part, is that oh. not only did Darzak not come home in power, but he just went back to life as a peon. Like, he came home and did nothing. Like, there was no... He didn't become a ruler. He didn't even try to, like, <laughs> become a ruler. You know? The goal of going there and getting some fat loot and, like, going back and fighting the current leader with magic weapons, not only is it a stupid idiot teenager idea, <laughs> but it was one that didn't work. And now, yeah... Uh, yeah, Darzak, like I was like, oh no, my brother died, and everyone was like, oh, so sad, and moving on, and then he shows up like a few days later. Years? Well, yeah, a few years. <laughs> Orc days. I was gonna say <laughs> time passes strangely in Gorgareth. <laughs> by the way, yeah. so a few years later, and he is a. Uh... So you know how Jarzak like can't swim or carry things that are heavy or it's just I imagine he became a fortuitous. Oh, he could lift like 10 Jarzaks. No problem. He uh that means he could carry like 90 Klikas. Yeah, he had like three years of training, apparently. Still somehow got out of the cave i i mean you, from what you know of it i mean he was forced to work in the in the smithing forge for the red dragon and all those years of hard labor and hard work have really forged a man out of him and somehow he came back armed with magical gear and he did kill the king <laughs> before yeah. he could exact some vengeance on jarzag Jarzak so, was on the first boat taxi out of there. Yeah, so anyway, work, he was right? like, yeah, I took, he took over, and then I was just like, peace, I'm out. He was like, Jarzak, I'm gonna have words for you, and then I left. Maybe the words were, I axe. forgive you. No, I, I left with his axe. That too, which was definitely insult to injury, but you pulls know. out the axe and uh, shows them the name that started to be etched into it was his brother's. Jarzak crossed it out. So this is the family's axe, and it goes to the strongest. And uh, yeah, he wasn't happy. Isn't happy? Hard to say, really. But with that in mind, what is the plan? Knowing if we do reach your brother and things turn sour, knowing we're the only hope for the rest of this place, 
I regretfully say it, but I think we may have to go for the dragon first. Complete our task. I Hopefully, mean, if we get what we get, and if we at least get captured or something, I find a way to get my people out, or at least someone out, and escape with it. We wouldn't trade Jarzak for your people, right? If he asked. A lot of because conversion rates going on here. Klika won't let us sacrifice Jarzak, even if it is for your people. The only one who has to be sacrificed are them themselves, not us. I... And not my people, but the people I... of your brother, the people who made the call to take my people. I think uh, they might outnumber us. By a, a lot. Yeah, the capital of Gorgareth, sort of like the main... Because Gorgareth is kind of strange, that it's like a lot of different clans have sort of just claimed areas, and whenever there's conquest, conquest for... Sorry. Whenever there's a uh, dispute for territory, <clears throat> it usually just comes down to some sort of a duel between clan leaders. So it's like, for the most part, it's just giant spanning, like, properties... And then there's the Blood Throne, which is sort of the agreed-upon center, the sort of capital. And Blood Throne, from what Jarzak recalls, I mean, it had a population that sort of rivaled Glory Wake, so there were thousands of orcs there. Now, to assume every single orc is ready to come kick Jarzak's ass or something like that is kind of silly, because they are a society like any other. But the big difference is fighting conquest and feats of strength and and all that like the righteous fight like that is a virtue in all citizens so glory wakes citizens and their military like the ratio there is a lot different than that of the orcs so jarzak knows there's maybe less orcs overall in comparison to glory wake but the amount that are ready to pick up arms and fight for a righteous cause is a lot greater than that of glory wake so, yeah. But Blood Throne would be the place to go because that's where the king resides. Upon the aptly named Throne of Blood, the Blood Throne. But... Jarzak, you're too much of a value. You're just as valuable to Glory Wake as Glory Wake itself. I would not sacrifice you or any one of this group. But I will find a way to get my people. But I agree the fight might not be my strongest point. But if I look to the Illuminator, I will find a way. There With is that, a way. Anton's going to go and pray. Like <laughs> hell. Oh, no, there, 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 there is a way, and there's a clear way. We, we have little or no hope of freeing Anton's people uh, by force or by negotiation, especially if we plan on arriving in Gorgareth with Jarzak. However, I believe that we can free Anton's people and secure at least a temporary peace with the orcs at minimal risk to ourselves, with no need for armies or banners. How? Jarzak, you finished the fight that you started. I, you know, I, I just, 
left a cave. I didn't start a fight. I don't want to fight my brother. Garzak, you started this feud when you left your brother to die. I won't tell you that what you did was right or wrong. I won't pretend to know the ways of your people. But I know that the yeah, that that day a feud began, and bad blood only festers. Yeah, and okay. But if I don't beat my brother, because he's gonna wanna possibly fight to the death. Uh, then he'll he might just kill all of you. He did just invade Glory Wake for fun, I think. So, I mean, again, we remember that he treated the the captives decently enough, like they're being fed and taken oh, care of from yeah, what no, Anton yeah. heard from the high priest. So it's likely that they would just end up in servitude and squalor as well. Probably. Oh no, Jarzak's just problems. scared to confront his brother. Uh, yeah, I, right. We all gathered. <laughs> He'll that, spin but... the story that it's worse than it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. I don't, I don't expect you to win in a contest of straight of pure strength, Jarzak. I know you to be a liar, a cheat, a coward, and an oath breaker. You, you'll, you'll win by guile, <laughs> nothing else. Click is nodding her head like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The gnomes on deck as there well. is also something else that I've come to believe about you, that I've come to understand, that I've seen firsthand, that I don't think you realize yet. Today, you are a better person than the day that you left your brother to die in that cave. And I think that's the new strength that's going to carry you through this conflict and bring us everything we need. Well, that was heartfelt. You also must understand too, Jarzak. If we do face the dragon, that might not necessarily be avoiding your brother. If what you told us is true and your brother served under that dragon for many years, then the dragon uh, might just be uh, as much of an ally to him as your foe. I mean, a few years with someone, you don't get that close. Think of cries. <sighs> Single hard teardrop. Yeah. Hits the ground like a nickel. <laughs> There's a or lot like of he- heavy metals in there. All I'm saying is be prepared with the dragon. It, it might not just simply be a fight of fire. There may be words to be tossed around too. I don't know what kind of relationship that dragon had with your brother, but if it was a good one, I don't really know too much of the way of dragons. You may have to face those conflicts sooner than you think. You know what, maybe... Anton, I was just going to say, I hope Anton's words also haunt everybody as you think about a red dragon. 
let alone one that's this old with this much power. And the fact that Jarzak's brother escaped, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the idea of a proxy leader of a nation that, I don't know, this dragon lives in. I mean, Anton said it, and now all of a sudden it's starting to dawn on everybody that it's like, hey, wait a minute. Maybe what if Jakarta is just a mouthpiece? Ugh. Yeah, man. What if the dragon's like, he's like the Wizard of Oz. He's the guy behind the curtain. Yeah, so we land there, settle things with my brother, tell him we're going to go kill his friend, and hope he doesn't kill us then. I, I Don't we need the dragon's breath? Are we killing the dragon after that? I this don't. dragon is like earth moving. Like this thing like would stomp Eindindereth in one round. Like this is not, this is an ancient dragon, and it is basically slumbering. So it has a breath of fire that is so primordially hot that it can melt elemental steel from the immortal plane. So it's like, this thing is not to be trifled with. There is no way to win with this dragon, right? We, we, we are allowing it to breathe on us so that we can reforge the immortal steel and then fleeing for our lives. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we don't have to... So we might... Yeah... We might have to go talk to my brother. Wait a minute. First. How much do you look like him? Because you could just piss off the dragon, then go hide, <laughs> and it would think it was Jakarta again. And just definitely, ju- definitely just a super like lanky version of his brother, though. <laughs> Didn't Jarzak just... age 10 years and is super pale and is missing an arm at this point? <laughs> I just I, he's well, also, I now also have a ring, uh, thing that makes it so I don't age. So like uh, he's catching you, back up. <laughs> but you did age rapidly at one point. I remember. Yeah, he did get ghosted like that, right? But it's also funny to think about um, the fact that he did do the Thubani voice, and he did trick an entire group of gnomes into thinking he was just the product of gnomish engineering. So there might be a chance. <laughs> If if anybody would be able to pull it off, it might be Jarzak. I mean, you 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 may not like it, but this is what peak gnomish engineering looks like, and it's just a very detailed painting of Jarzak. I have deceived others. Maybe I can deceive an ancient red dragon. But wouldn't that mean we were against the clock to save all the people? Then, because the dragon would come out. Oh, if they. Or are we doing that second? If the deception goes bad, then yes. If it goes good, also possibly yes. We need to save the people. And so we can prevent all this by saving the people first. And settling matters once and for all. Depending on how mad we make the dragon, we might not be able to save anybody. This whole island might just get cooked. It does live in a volcano. So it seems to me then even more important that we put old ghosts to rest as much as possible. Everybody immediately thinks back to those four raids. Yup. (laughs) Clica certainly did. Like, (gasps) gets her shadow blade ready. Like, uh oh. I speak figuratively. 
And 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 Norhill looks over his shoulder for more ghosts. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Clinka's dad can't die twice. My God. No. Well, but Jorzak, I'm gonna be honest. I think this. I might want to leave this decision up to you. I feel like you're the one who has the most stakes. Where we start first. I don't know if there's a right decision. I wouldn't want to say there is. I think there could be any kind of consequence that we're not aware of. But I mean, I think eventually we're going to have to deal with both problems. So one for the Herald of Steel and one for the people of Glory Wake. Uh, either way, we can't kind of leave either of those situations unsettled. So let's go save your people, Anton. Some confidence. Wait, he kind of waves maybe, a little tear and he puts his shoulder, he puts a hand on Jarzak's shoulder and he says, Thank you. I got an idea. Maybe my mom can talk my brother down. Yeah, funny story about that. But anyway, um <laughs> oh boy. So with that, the lucky dog puts his hand on your shoulder as well, and he says, Very well, I'll chart a course as he reluctantly shrugs a little bit and shivers for blood throne and all the gnomes are around are drinking the gin stop look around blankly begin to drink more profusely <laughs> and with that the uh the ship continues its course um as far as the sailing goes i mean this thing's pretty well run by the crew as is so you guys don't actually have much of a job to do other than just hang out rest and plan but yeah as the uh, first day, lots of mirror talking to psych himself up to talk to his brother. Practice lines. <laughs> Just looking in the mirror. I said I was sorry. Isn't that good enough? Same <laughs> with the last words. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know who would have thought that'd be Darzak's way out? But with that, as the uh, morning light seems to be coming into the uh, the portholes here in your master chamber that you guys are sleeping in here, the first mate has come sprinting down the stairs and bangs on the door with a fury, a fear, and a level of, of panic that immediately stirs everybody from their beds. Lucky dog told you not till after 10. That's <laughs> He says, look, we've been spying from the crow's nest and we've seen something. And I think you might want to see this too. Okay, let's go check it out. What could be worse than what we saw yesterday? Do, do we get a full rest, by the way? I'm just curious. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Two spires. I'm just kidding. Um, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> as you guys, as Jarzak is the first to take a peep through the... Uh, well, uh, the scope here. You look off in the distance, and as you get to get your sights aimed on the right point, as the lucky dog kind of aims the scope, you see what appear to be two enormous metallic hawks flying through the air 
tailing you guys at a rapid pace. And as you sort of put the little telescope down and look in the distance, they're far away, but the fact you can hear their screeches carrying on the wind goes to show we've got company. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.